Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Stretch Big Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Bigelow. Long overdue pod coming at you today. Um, not going to be a game-by-game recap since we've been three games. Well, give you a preview of Purdue, which wound up being one of the bigger wins in the history of the Nebraska basketball program. Naturally, really wanted to get a pod out to you after that, do a little recap and a preview of Iowa, but uh, when your producer is driving 20-plus hours in the car to uh, move out to uh, Southern California, it's uh, <laughs> and you're not the most technically gifted person, and you don't know how to edit, and you have gone on coughing fits, and you make random noises when you talk, um, it, you can't get a pot out. And uh, that's my apologies. Um, we're still looking for some consistency with the pod. But so is Nebraska basketball. So the title of today's episode, uh, Consistent Inconsistency, that is a uh, double entendre for the podcast and the program that it focuses on, uh, the Nebraska basketball Cornhuskers. Uh, we're going to talk about the previous three games, um, definitely from a top-down view. Not going to be a game-by-game, play-by-play breakdown, but one of the biggest wins in program history was cemented in between two duds on the road, to put it bluntly, um, in the trips to Wisconsin and Iowa. So we're going to do a little top-down. Um, I will save the end to you know, wax poetic about the win over Purdue. Now we're a week past it, but um, it's still something that I'm going to think about for a long, long time, no matter how this basketball season ends. Um, and I, it was something that I was in, impeccable and incredible to witness live, but I'll wax poetic about that in the end. And, you know, we're going to, I'm going to talk about some big picture stuff for Nebraska basketball, uh, some big picture, big 10 stuff. I'm sitting here uh, getting ready to, you know, get going with the pod. Um, Indiana and Purdue are getting set to tip off at Assembly Hall in Bloomington on on Peacock, one of the better rivalries in college basketball, one of the more hallowed venues in college basketball, Assembly Hall, and the game is on Peacock. I'm sure the folks in rural Indiana with the uh, with some of the some not great internet are thrilled that uh, that game is on Peacock. But talk about Nebraska, um, the theme I I put it on Twitter during that Iowa game, and it's just kind of it's an unfortunate theme for this season. And if you uh, listen to the about six-and-a-half-minute um, interview with uh, Josiah Alec after the game in Iowa City. Uh, Robin Washett and Wilson Moore braved the uh, the blizzard, <laughs> the snow conditions to make the trip to Iowa City, and Josiah was pretty blunt. He answered two questions, and he talked for almost seven minutes. But the main crux of what he said was, you know, the story of Nebraska's season is they have momentum and they shit the bed. I mean, for lack of a better term, uh, the Alec family continues to provide uh, <laughs> to provide Nebraska media and Nebraska fans with some uh, priceless sound bites so far this year. But he's not wrong. Um, they followed up the win against Indiana with the Wisconsin result. Followed up Purdue with Iowa. Uh, they were seven and zero, and then they they had the Creighton game and the Minnesota where they blow a seventeen point lead. Then you won five in a row again, and between there, and it's just, you know, it's riding the roller coaster. Fred Hoiberg kind of 
admitted the same on his uh, Sports Nightly show last night with um, on the on the network. You know, and it's you know there was a you know the two common themes between the Wisconsin Iowa game, aside from them being on the road, is the the opposing team uh, shooting really well from three, and that is a byproduct of the the defense that Nebraska plays. And I'm going to um, you know, this is going to kind of be my big, <laughs> my first big overarching point is does Nebraska have a backup defense to play? Um, did they, is it just going to be the no middle, uh, double the baseline, scramble to shooters defense? Is that all we're going to see all season long? Or is there going to be some kind of backup plan? Because in the span of a week, we saw the two ends of the spectrum of what it's supposed to look like. And what it can look like when things go really bad. That Purdue game, Nebraska's defensive rotations were outstanding. I got texts from friends in the coaching ranks saying, these rotations are incredible. Their communication is incredible. They're they're doing everything they need to do on defense. And against a team like Purdue, who in my opinion is still the best pound-for-pound team in the country, I, I said in my preview, Nebraska's going to have to play close to a perfect 40. And they did on offense. And especially on defense, they um, they did double Edie. They were not playing him straight up. They held him in check once again. His three games against Nebraska are kind of outliers when you look at the rest of his games these last two seasons. And but against Wisconsin and Iowa, you know Wisconsin, I I kind of you know I yes the defensive effort wasn't there but i don't think nebraska's defense was bad i think it was just lacking energy it was it was sleepy like it was you know it was there looked like they were moving half a step slow uh, fred hoiberg talked about the lack of you know hand activity jumping passing lanes things of that sort and wisconsin shot 13 of 26 from 3 so 50% uh, including you know connor Asesian coming off the bench hitting four of them uh, Chucky Hepburn made three. Everyone and no one else, you know, those are the only guys who made multiple, which is, looking back on it, hard to believe. But Wisconsin's a really good team. They're now up into the top ten on Ken Palm. They're number nine. They're a number 11 in this week's um, coaches poll. I mean, they are, you know, the there's a Thanos line, and I forget what Avengers movie is, but he says, dread it, run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. And what... We are dreading and running from, but it appears destiny is going to arrive, is Big Ten champion Wisconsin. And that is, you know, for Nebraska to go on the road to Madison, that's a tough place to play, tough place to win. You're in a hockey locker room, in a hockey arena, um, and Wisconsin's going, the crowd's into it, Saturday, Saturday afternoon game, and they, you know, Nebraska played well enough on offense to win. Fred Hoiberg said as much. It was just the lack of defense you know, it's not like Wisconsin had a ton of open shots, which we'll talk about open shots when we talk about this Iowa game. But they were taking and making threes. They were also running good high-low action with Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall. I mean, they're that's a good basketball team. I thought Greg Gard was probably going to get fired. I thought he for sure was on the hot seat. I was down on this Wisconsin team coming into this year. And, you know, since they, since they dispatched Nebraska, they – Went on the road to Columbus and beat Ohio State by double digits. And then they beat Northwestern by eight at home this past weekend. This week they've got Penn State on the road in a couple hours as I sit here recording this. They're, you know, they should win that game. 
Then they host IU, they go to the barn to play Minnesota, and they play Sparty uh, for the second time. That's the rest of their month of January. They're undefeated in the league right now. They're the only team in the Big Ten with multiple wins on the road, and they are firing on all cylinders on offense. And they've now, with Purdue's two losses, they have a two-game lead in the league. But from the Nebraska perspective, I mean, they just, the defense, like, I don't know how you're not, like, you know, they're trying to take away the middle. They did not take away the middle well against Wisconsin with Wall and Crowell. They were running high-low action with each other. You know, you know, Wall finishes with 17, eight boards, Crowell, nine, and seven. I mean, they, and each of them had four assists, too. I mean, they were doing their thing. They had making extra passes to shooters, you know, Chucky, Asijan. Um, They, you know, they was surgical, was a surgical performance. And this game was more than a week ago now, but still, like, looking back on it, you know, it kind of plays into the next road loss, which was the Iowa game, the most recent game as I sit here recording this. Um, Nebraska loses in Iowa City 94-76. And they started the game down 17-2. And they came back, had a lead at, I think, 50-49 to before falling. And Iowa goes to a zone um, with, I think, about 12, 10 minutes left to go. I don't have a notebook in front of me. But it was, you know, they just dominated the end of that game. And they took and made open shots, and they had way, way too many of them. Iowa goes 15 for 35 from three. A third of those threes were from Peyton Sanford, uh, junior forward from Waukee, um, shooting 45% from the field this year and 39% from three. And Nebraska, because of the scramble drill defense, was he had way too many open looks. Now, I'll say he shot five for 12, but he still made five. Josh Dix, uh, Council Bluffs Abraham Lincoln product, um, he made five five threes. All five of his makes from the field were threes. At the time, that was his career high. Dix then followed it up with 19 points last night and a win on the road at Minnesota for the Hawkeyes. But Josh Dix was five for seven. Ben Cricky made two. Those two guys had better nights from three than they had had all year and their looks were open. Like I just don't, you know, the defense Nebraska plays and it worked, it worked to a T in the Purdue game. I'm saving the Purdue game to talk about it last, even though it was not the most recent game because it's the classic five good news and bad news. You start with the bad news and these two road games, you know, they're not backbreaking. They're not gonna, you know, the wheels on the bus, you know, they're not they're not flat. It's really cold outside, so maybe they've lost a little bit of air pressure, but they're not, you know, they're not running on rims because of loss to losses to Wisconsin and Iowa, but it's just the same theme of looking for consistency cuz in that Iowa game, you know, to start, you know, like I said, they were down 17-2. Shots just were not falling. And then I mean, they Nebraska was just chucking from three, and I, I in that Purdue game, they took and made a lot of you know, took and made a ton of threes. It was the best three point shooting performance I've ever seen from a Nebraska basketball team. They took, they were taking, making sixty percent from three, fourteen for twenty three, five from Kase, three from CJ, two from Rink Mast. I mean, they you know that Purdue game, you know that was. They had to play perfect, and they played near perfect. And they their response was thinking, 
we can just chuck up whatever we want. <laughs> That's at least what it looked like the first couple minutes in Iowa City. The, their shot selection was horrible. I mean, it was absolutely horrible. Um, and they put in Eli Rice. That's going to be – it's not my next question, but it's a part of it. Eli Rice comes in, scores nine of Nebraska's first 16 off the bench. Now, Rice, he's still you know got a ways to go on defense, but he, you know, he's shown his ability that he can go get you one. He did miss a dunk in that stretch. Probably those two points would have you know, helped a little bit, but, you know, true freshman after all, but Eli Rice, you know, he, you know, it's, uh, as a good, you know, local radio host here used to, used to say, when it gets down to nut cutting time, and it's getting close to nut cutting time for rotation, and minutes in for, for Nebraska. You know, there's still plenty of games left. There's 14 games left as I sit here recording this. But you got to give this coaching staff reason to give you a look. Eli Rice had played in every game leading up to Purdue in that little stretch. Um, Fred Hoiberg said it's just the flow, the game flow. They didn't have the chance to get him in. Eli Rice, you know, they go on the road tomorrow to Rutgers. Rutgers, you know, they're a defense, defensive first team. If the offense is still stagnant, maybe they plug in play uh, Eli Rice again. You know, what do we see from him going forward? That's kind of my, my second big question. But, you know, the defense, I just don't, you know, the head coach, he's, he said at the start of the year, defense needs to be the constant. And, you know, the three ugly, you know, Nebraska only has four losses. They're 13 and four. They're number 49 on Ken Palm. They're number 48 on Torvik. They are currently in a ton of projections to make the NCAA tournament. That being said, all of the losses, well, three of the four of them, have looked eerily similar. Um, particularly Creighton and Iowa. And that was just the the defense of helping off of prolific shooters, I mean, I I don't know how you can take a look at a roster that looks like Iowa's. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Take a look at Iowa's roster and tell me why you'd think we're going to allow open threes to this team. I mean, guys like Sanford, you know, he I mean, he's one of the better shooters in the league. I think he leads the Big Ten in made three-point field goals. And he was getting whatever he wanted. Like I said, he shot 5 for 12, but why were those shots open? Back to that Creighton game at the beginning of December, why was Baylor Shireman, why was someone not attached to him at the hip? Why were, you know, why was that defense allowing Creighton to shoot 43s? Why was the defense allowing Iowa to shoot 35 threes? I mean, you get outscored that much from the three-point line. Creighton game, Nebraska only... Went two for 22 from three. Iowa game, Nebraska went four for... This is great podcasting, me going back to look for the stats. But in that Iowa game, Nebraska goes four for 26 from three. They got outscored by 33 points from three against Iowa. After shooting 60% from there against Purdue, and three-point shooting being the reason the deficit looked like it did. And... You know, that's it just comes back to the overarching theme of consistent inconsistency. And it's, you know, it's another, you know, unfortunate theme 
for Nebraska athletics, I'm not just not just talking basketball. We've heard this with football. We've heard this with even volleyball. How they how their season ended. You know, it's not that they lost. It's how they lost. And Wisconsin, Iowa, and and Creighton, they all look eerily similar. A lot of you know, a lot of not great three point defense. Now, I will say this: aside from the rematch with Wisconsin coming up in a couple weeks, Thursday, February first at PBA in Lincoln. You know, there aren't any teams with that more, you know, prolific of an offense left on the schedule aside from Wisconsin. You know, that's, you know, going to be, you know, that I don't think there's going to be any, I think aside from Wisconsin, there aren't many teams that I'm expecting to make you know, double-digit threes, especially teams like Maryland and Indiana. I mean, it's, and, and Rutgers. I mean, there's, there's some, you know, it's not something they're going to see again, but it's something they could see in the conference tournament, in whatever postseason tournament they see, you know, all the three, uh, you know, the three losses that stick out the most to me, they all looked eerily similar. And that's just what makes me wonder if there's a backup defense. Uh, what's, what's, is there a junk defense that they have? Is there a, you know, any kind of, of change up from no middle, double the force baseline to trap and scramble out to shooters? I wonder if that's just, all they've got, I don't think it is, but we have not seen anything else. Um, in that Iowa game, also had Nebraska seen a zone before. You know, Iowa goes to a zone, and you know Fred Hoiberg said it on his uh, Husker Sports Network, you know, coaches, sh- you know, radio show, that the middle was wide open on a lot of those possessions. I went back and rewatched it, and he wasn't kidding. And you'd think that a team that's, uh, pro- you know. Top one of their top points on defense is no middle would see the middle being open. Um, that sounds like a lot worse of an indictment than it should be, but you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate that those losses looked the way they looked. They're not backbreaking. Like I said, Wisconsin now up to nine in Ken Palm. Iowa ranked higher than Nebraska in Ken Palm at forty three. Iowa also averages, I think, in the nineties in points per game. Uh, when they're playing at home at Carver Hawkeye Arena, and that game was in front of like seven people. There was a blizzard outside, and it was, you know, the, cl- the cliche as hell. You know, bring your own energy game, and Nebraska didn't bring the energy. They just didn't have it. They just didn't make shots. And in the, I mean, those Creighton and Iowa games are eerily similar. They didn't lose to Iowa by twenty nine on their home court, but just looking at the way it looked, you know, as aesthetically on the defensive end, uh, and, you know, Nebraska battled back against Iowa. They did not battle back against Creighton, but, I mean, there is a lot of not great similarities between the two, just looking at it. So that is, you know, lose to Wisconsin, lose to Iowa. You know, they'd beaten Iowa four times in a row. I'm sure Fran McCaffrey had some words for his crew um, after, you know, Fred Hoiberg had, you know, Fred Hoiberg knows a thing or two about that rivalry, playing in it, coaching in it, coaching against Fran at Iowa State and at Nebraska, and he knows all about it. So, you know, that Iowa, Iowa lost four in a row. Uh, Nebraska beat Wisconsin last year. They, you know, they'd beat Creighton the year before, too. They'd beaten Minnesota twice last year as well. And all those games were wins uh, in 2023, and they flipped two uh, losses in this season, which is a, you know, stat courtesy of uh, Chris Pankinen on Twitter. So, um, you know, that's enough of the, you know, of the losses and kind of dwelling on it. Those are the things that, like, stood out 
uh, to me. You know, now they turn the page, go on the road to Rutgers. They, you know, you got to go to the rack. I'm not calling it by its corporate name. Its corporate name makes subpar sandwiches anyway. Um, you know, and, but it's not the rack of like recent years. It's not the Rutgers team of recent years. Um, their offensive numbers, if you look at their metrics, are, are are quite heinous, actually. And, you know, this is kind of appears to be like a stop-gap-gap gap year uh, for Rutgers. They've got a top-five recruiting class in the country coming in next year with uh, Ace Bayleaf, Dylan Harper. Um, you know, that place is going to be rocking next year, and, you know, they'll they'll have it rolling. But looking at this Rutgers team, that's the stereotypical Steve Peichel, pound of nails, shout out Rothstein. Um, they're going to defend hard. They're going to try to guard you full, you know, 94 feet. Um, they, they are the number eight adjusted defense in the country per Ken Palm. They are the number 255 offense per Ken Palm. All the green on their Ken Palm, all the bright green is on the defensive side. Uh, they are number. They're the number one team in the country enforcing non-steal turnovers. They are the number six team in the country in block percentage. That's a big credit uh, to Big Cliff, Cliff Omarui, six eleven, uh, senior big. Um, he's a really really good player. I also really I like Derek Simpson, uh, sophomore guard. I think he's you know a stock to buy on this Rutgers team. Uh, their leading scorer is Andre Hyatt. Mawat Mag has missed about half the season, but he's a really athletic uh, senior guy. You know, Nebraska won comfortably on the road in that building last year. Uh, homecoming game for C.J. Wilcher and Jamarcus Lawrence. I'm sure they're taking up most of that ticket allotment. But, I mean, Rutgers lost on opening night to Princeton on a neutral. They, you know, they have losses in the league. To They got dominated by Sparty this past weekend in East Lansing. They allowed Tom Izzo's son, Stephen Izzo, to score his first career points on an and one. If you haven't seen that video, that was a really, really cool reaction. But they beat, they beat Indiana at home. They have losses to Iowa and Ohio State, and then some losses out of the league, like I said, to Princeton on opening night, to Steve Forbes's Wake Forest crew by 20 in Winston-Salem. And then uh, they lost to Mississippi State by 10 on a neutral. They also got 20-bombed by Illinois in one of the early games. They are 348 in effective field goal percentage. Uh, there are 362 teams that play Division One college basketball. They're number 344 in two-point percentage. They're number 329 in three-point percentage. Their offensive numbers, like I said, I use the word heinous. Uh, that's my AP English vocabulary coming out, but it's not not a very pretty scene on offense for Rutgers. Um, but they want to force turnovers, try to you know force points off of them. You know, get a ste- you know you know try to get under your skin a little bit. Uh, I'll be interested to see who has the KSA assignment. It might be Hyatt, honestly. You know, depending on lineups, they might just go full on. Uh, KSA takeaway, but that's tomorrow night um, in New Jersey. And then Nebraska returns home this weekend for Alumni Day on Saturday afternoon. They're going to be honoring the 1994 Big 8 Tournament Championship team, and the head coach of that team, Danny Nee, is going to be returning to Lincoln for the first time in a few years. Fred Hoiberg said he personally uh, made the call to invite Danny back 
to Lincoln, and then he said on uh, Sports Nightly that they're expecting upwards of 200 former players uh, to make the trip um, on Saturday. Uh, weather permitting, there's supposed to be a little snow uh, Thursday night into Friday morning. But this 1994 team had some dudes, man. This team, uh, Eric Piatkowski, Jerron Boone, uh, Bruce Chubbuck Jr., now the head coach at my alma mater, Omaha Central, who I've gotten to know a little bit, uh, Eric Strickland, Jamar Johnson, Terrence Badgett, uh, Mikey Moore was a freshman on that team, uh, Jason Glock, sophomore Tom Best. You know, that team had some dudes, and uh, they, um, you know, they, uh, yeah, it'll be cool to see that team honored, cool to see some former players. I wonder if any of my uh, Miles guys from my era will be back, and, you know, maybe you'll get to say what's up and catch up with them a little bit. But that Northwestern game, and I'll talk about it at the end of the week. We may or may not have our first confirmed guest um, for the pod. Um, may or may not be one of the hosts of one of the local radio shows you hear me on weekly. Uh, maybe on to talk some 90s Nebraska basketball stories and uh, talk about the team he's the play-by-play guy for, but we'll have that later in the week. But this Northwestern game is oddly enormous for Nebraska. Uh, Saturday afternoon, um, you know, 200-plus alumni, Danny Knee back in the building. Fred Hoiberg's also never beaten Northwestern in his tenure as the Nebraska head coach. The last win over Northwestern came in February of 2019, Tim Miles' final season at the helm. And Northwestern right now is a tournament team. They are the other team that's beaten Purdue. They have one of the worst losses in the league, a loss to Chicago State. But right now they're in bracket projections as well. They're, you know, they're... Uh, They've got some pieces. Talk about that later in the week. Chris Collins is Teflon. I think he may be in uh, Evanston forever. But this is an oddly big week for Nebraska. I don't want to say they have to be 2-0, but 2-0 would be pretty good. They're going to have to hold serve at home uh, back-to-back Northwestern Ohio State. Talk about those games at length. But that's kind of looking at uh, looking at the two Not great results against Wisconsin and Iowa. Looking ahead to Rutgers a little bit. And then we'll talk Northwestern, recap Rutgers at the end of the week, and we'll also have a guest for you. But so we can end uh, talking about that Purdue game, man. And this is why I wish that I could have gotten a pot out sooner. I wish I knew how to edit because this game was a week ago now, and the the Iowa game, you know, had some people, you know, (laughs) may have soured the taste in the mouth for some people, but – that game, and I and I say this, you know, obviously I, I now cover, heavy quotation marks, cover uh, the program, but I was once a part of that program for three years. I spent 19 years as a fan of that program growing up in Omaha, and that game, was it felt like a release, and a, a, just, a, just a, the ultimate exhale, especially for the Hoiberg era, especially for the program in the Big Ten. I mean, it's the biggest win in that building in 10 years, definitely, since No Sit Sunday. Hadn't been a win in that pro, and, you know, it might, it's, you know, first time in 41 years that they had defeated the top team in the country, and to do it the way they did, like I said, 60% from three, you don't just beat Purdue, you beat them by 16. It was not a fluke. They played a complete 40 minutes. And even, like, the coolest part you know, the court storm after the game, the students weren't there. There were some students, you know, spread throughout, but someone made a joke to me after the game that all the people storming the court were either huddle 
or UBT employees because they had all the tickets and they was you know generations of of Nebraska fans. Matt Rule, Trev Alberts, you know Matt Rule with one of his daughters, you know storming the court. The athletic director, you know, he, it was you know something. It was so cool, and it's just something that you know it it it's a big pelt on the wall. It's a big notch in the belt, but. You know, Tom Chateau wrote about it in his column after the game. Like, it can't be the the highlight of the season. Like, it can't be, you know, the Chris Farley SNL. Hey, remember when Remember when Nebraska beat Purdue? That was awesome. Like, it can't be, like, you know, him, him dogging to Paul McCartney, that skit. But, you know, it can't be, hey, remember we beat Purdue? Hey, that, that Purdue game, oh, that was fun. But, but it was. It really and truly was. And, like, I... I'm just there as a part-time, like, side gig, side hustle. It's not my full-time job. It does not pay the bills. And I was getting texts from people that, like, (laughs) were congratulating me like it was my wedding day or, like, an engagement. Like, holy shit, man, they did it. You were there to see it. That's so cool. You deserve it. You deserve this. Nebraska deserves this. Like, that fan base, that program, I mean, it was like people waxing poetic to me. Like it like it was one of the like, like I played in the game. Like I, you know, logged 40 minutes and made a couple threes. But I mean it was just it was it was crazy. It was hard for me to not be smiling, you know, from ear to ear, walking down to the you know, post game, writing my game story. I'm really happy with how that game story turned out. If you want to relive the positive times, you can go check that out on huskersillustrated.com. You'll have a column talking about it in the next issue, Huskers Illustrated Magazine, too. If you feel so inclined, you know, you can go just get the one issue from the website. Um, that would be, you know, I don't know what the cover's looking like, but if you want to have a you know copy of the magazine from when Nebraska beat Purdue, have my column to go along with it, you can go to huskersillustrated.com. Give them a call. Reach out to the my publisher, uh, Jeff, great dude, and you know he'll can get you a copy. I'm sure it'll be a major you know topic in there along with uh, some recent football happenings. But you know that game, I mean, it, you know, hadn't seen anything like it in that building. Hadn't seen anything like it with the program. You know, it was it was crazy. It was you know, <laughs> it's arguably maybe the biggest win in program history. But the the opportunity for the actual biggest win in program history still on the table, and it's uh, not uh, not for a couple months. So the there's still you know still a lot left on the table for Nebraska basketball. Their margin of error appears to be super super thin. I said I was going to ask multiple big picture questions. I kind of only asked one, but I alluded to some others. You know, we've kind of we saw Eli Rice get plugged in. We've kind of seen the emergence of Bryce Williams kind of taking over that lead guard responsibility. Um, Jamarcus Lawrence's minutes have kind of gone down. That's kind of who I was alluding to with the cutting time. You got to show something. Um, Jamarcus did tweet. Uh, you know, you know, Fred Hoiberg tells his guys stay off social media. Old Nick Saban used to call it rat poison, but Jamarcus Lawrence, he posted on Twitter, you know, a lot of basketball to be played. I was doubting myself this time last year, and I'll be interested to see how he looks tomorrow night in front of plenty of friends and family at the rack. Uh, Him and C.J. Wiltshire, I'm sure they'll be 
um, in a different frame of mind, you know, being able to play back home in front of family and uh, friends. But that's good. that'll be the pod for this week. Um, well, for not this week. We still got another one coming. Um, it's a th- you know, the title says it. It's a theme for this program and a theme for uh, the pod. But uh, we can end with some metrics, like I, I said right now. Projected record on Ken Pomp, 21 and 10, 11 and 9 in the Big Ten. Same on Torvik. I think 21, I think you got to get to 21 to feel safe. I really do. Uh, 14 games left. Um, the thing that um, stood out to me looking around uh, the metrics over the weekend was if you, you know, if you go to bartorvik.com, they have a similar resumes tool. You, just, you know, if you're on the team page, you just click similar resumes. It'll pull up, you know, similar uh, teams from years past with similar metrics. And one of the teams that pops up on there is the 2014 Nebraska team. Uh, the last time that the program went to the NCAA tournament, 10-hole years ago this spring, and they were an 11 seed. We all remember I I drove 12 hours straight through the night before the game to San Antonio with my dad, and that's, uh, I'll share that story, some stories about that year when we you know get closer to uh, tournament time. But I thought that was funny that this team right now in position has similar metrics to the last time that uh, the program went to the NCAA tournament, but that team, you know, they caught fire. They weren't firing all cil- on all cylinders this time of year. Uh, they went on a big, you know, big run, one at the Breslin Center, one at Assembly Hall, obviously had no sit Sunday, kind of got it kick-started with a home win over Ohio State. You know, they've Nebraska's got the Purdue win. They've got the big, you know, the non-con win at K-State. The kind of the opportunities for another marquee win not that many. Uh, that's why I kind of think this Northwestern game may be huge because um, you got to hold serve at home. But then Ohio State comes to town. Ohio State's been slumping. Uh, that Wisconsin game, February 1st, I mean, that is uh, that is a massive, massive game. And then, ironically enough, the game after that, they go on the road to Champaign to face, to face Illinois. And then... They, you know, stay in the state of Illinois and go to Northwestern, and that is it. That's a huge three-game stretch. That's huge. Um, to start the month of February, start the home stretch, and then the season ends with Minnesota, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan. Pretty favorable, but those are the kind of the big marquee ones, and you got to – I think they still are missing one more marquee win unless, you know, Michigan State really turns it up. They turn into a tournament team. I I think Nebraska's still got to get one big marquee one. Where will it come? Uh, Rutgers is not a chance for a marquee one, but we'll recap that later in the week. You have some 90s Husker basketball stories for you. Look ahead to Northwestern. Talk some Danny Knee. Danny Knee coming back to Lincoln. We're all going to Berries, right? We're all going to Berries like Danny Knee. So that'll be the pod to start the week. Once again, apologies for the layoff consistent inconsistency but i hope we're still putting a good product out for everyone who's continued to listen in um you can follow me on twitter if you don't already at jacob a bigelow follow the show on there at stretch big pod you can email the show i said on the purdue preview i've been saying the email address wrong this entire season so if you've been trying to email me for anything i apologize i've been saying the wrong email if you have any questions comments you want to debate 
concern, inquire, whatever it may be, you can email stretchbigpodcast at gmail.com to get in touch with the show. Those are the ways to get in touch with the show. My DMs are open. My mentions are too. So that's the pod. Come at you later in the week. Uh, recap records, look ahead to Northwestern, and then it'll be a quick turnaround the next week. But thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tell somebody you love them. I will talk to y'all again soon.